Right, our first reading is from Numbers uh, chapter 13, verses 16 to 33. And uh, this is where Moses was with the children of Israel in the wilderness, and they were about to explore um, Canaan. These are the names of the men that Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hoshea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob, towards Lebo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmah, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkel because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. And at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. And now we move on to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew 13, verses 10 to 17. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. 
In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. That's fantastic. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for the reading of your word. And we pray, Lord, that you will speak to us now to give us understanding as we reflect on it. You're such an amazing God, absolutely loving and caring. And we turn our hearts to you, Lord, at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What do you see is the question that we began with last Sunday. And our reading this morning is very interesting because the people of Israel had just got to the threshold of the promised land. And God didn't want them to go in there without them testing out what he's been telling them about this promised land being a place of milk and honey. And so, God, if, you, if we had read from verse 1, God himself gave Moses this order, this directive, saying, pick out 12 people, one from each tribe of Israel, and send them into the promised land to scout it out. And he gave them what they were going to do in scouting out the land, what they were going to find out. And if they were going to do that, then they will discover whether what he has been telling them is true or not. But beyond just them discovering whether God was telling them the truth or not, it was also about what they themselves were seeing in respect to what it is that they were going to be experiencing. Now, what is it that they were seeing? that they were going to experience. Was it real? Was it not real? So, number one, there was a team. A team of 12. So there was terms of reference. One, form a team of what? 12 people. Select them. And you know, in a whole tribe, it's like saying, we want to form a team of four, covering the whole United Kingdom. One from England. One from Scotland, one from Wales, one from Northern Ireland. Now, how do you make such a choice? It means you have to come out with criteria. Those who are going to fit that particular you know, calling. And so he told them, able-bodied people, people who can do what is expected of them. And of course, Moses did that. Then he told them the area to explore. It was specific, where they were going to go, where they were going to cover. And then he told them what you to look out for when you go to that land. 
Is it a land that is good or bad? Is it fertile? Is it infertile? What kind of land is it that you are going into? And also, they were going to find out, was it a developed land or was it just an empty waste land? Is it rural? Is it urban? Are there more than 45 cities or are they just open and exposed cities? And then they were going to find out those who lived in those communities. What kind of people were they? And so they went out there to look for all of these things. And finally, they were going to bring back the fruit of the land as evidence that really it was a land that was very fertile, that sustained the people. So what was God wanting them to see? One, God's fidelity to his word. God being true to his promise. God keeping his word. God is not just telling them it's a land flowing with milk and honey and that's it. No, God meant what he was saying and he wanted them to see it first. They have planned all along to go back to Egypt. So it seems to me God was giving them a last chance to say, do you want to go back to Egypt or do you want to now proceed and take over the land I have prepared for you? So they needed number two, focus. It's three F's we're talking about today. One, fidelity. Two, focus. They were going to focus on particular indices for that journey. Now, were they going to focus on the things they saw or were they going to focus on God himself? Because before they went on that trip, someone's name was changed. And that's Joshua. His name was what? Hoshea. Hoshea means deliverer. Now, if Joshua went on that journey as a deliverer, what was going to happen? When he came back, Joshua is a deliverer. No, but his name was Joshua. Jehovah is the Savior. Jehovah is the deliverer. Joshua the deliverer, God, the deliverer, so that the attention would not be on the people. You see, it's like the story of that donkey that carried Jesus into Jerusalem and people were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. And they were laying down their garments and this donkey was treading on it. When the donkey went back, funny story, that when the donkey went back, he went back to the stable and told other donkeys, do you know today, I was the rock star. People were placing their clothes. Can you imagine? On the streets for me to, 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 to walk on. And they were calling me. I didn't even know my father's name was David. I discovered today. So Hosanna to the son of David. Wow. Can you imagine that? Now that donkey thought all of that celebration was about it and not Jesus. We are not the center of worship. And anytime we make ourselves the center, we are missing the mark. We shouldn't be taking God's praise, God's worship. Everything should point back to him. So what was going to be their focus in the end? So Joshua, you know, had a new name. So that everything they are doing is pointing back to the one who sent them. The one who has led them through the journey all along. And the third F is faith. 
Were they going to go there with faith or were they going to go in there with fear? Because they went in there and brought back reports. And just like we see in politics, there was a majority report and there was a minority report. Twelve people went and ten people came with their own report. Only Joshua and Caleb were positive about this. Because they went out there instead of faith. Now, if you read back their reports, you will discover that they came back and said, actually, the land we saw is just as the Lord says, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, you have been buying grapes in the shop. Have you ever seen a bunch of grapes where you need two people to carry it to the pool? That's the kind of you know, grapes they saw there. No wonder the people were giants. If you ate things like that, you would be a giant, wouldn't you? And so they came back and said, we saw the place is beautiful, wonderful. The cities were built up, the people are wonderful, only they were giants. They were giants everywhere. And then, you know what? When we looked at them, we were like grasshoppers in our eyes. And indeed, in their, how did they know? In their own eyes too, we were like grasshoppers. But they are projecting their fear, wanting everyone else to believe in the fear and not trust in what God is saying. And so the majority report is not always the right report. Sometimes it's good to reflect. But they came and said, this is impossible task. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones to look. God has sent us into this place. And if God is on our side, we are going to defeat these people. Yes, we know they are giants. They did not play down the fact that they were giants. But you know what they said? They said, these people are like a loaf of bread. We can squeeze them. You know when you have your, you know, you can squeeze it. So we can eat them, we can gobble them down. They are nothing before us. No, we are not grasshoppers. We serve a mighty God. Hallelujah. Oh, that wasn't a good one. <laughs> Are you here with me? Hallelujah. Amen. Fantastic. Now you're alive. <laughs> you know, so they said, if we enter into this land and God is on our side, we're not moving by sight. That's what the Bible says. We are not people who move by sight, but by faith. And so God wanted them to come back with that kind of expression of faith, irrespective of what they saw. But they came back afraid. They came back depressed, some of them, and said, no, we can't do this. We can't do this. It's not possible. You know, sometimes when people say something is not possible, we can't, it's actually as saying we won't. <laughs> you know, it's not because they can't, but because they don't want to. So, here they were, we can't do this. We can't cross this place. We can't go into this place. Only Caleb and Joshua said, no. If God is on our side, we are able to do this. So, majority report, minority report. The majority report was negative. Bad report. The minority report was positive. We can do it. Sometimes it's good to listen to that minority voice that might be telling you it is something that is doable. Because people will tell you, no one in your family has ever done this before. And so what? Why couldn't you be the first person to do it? It's possible. 
So young people, listen to me right now, I'm talking to you. There's nothing you cannot be in life, okay? You want to be a doctor? You want to be a nurse? You want to be a teacher? You want to be a police officer? Whatever you want to be in life, you can be that in life. Let no one convince you that you're not able because God who made you has given you wisdom to become anything you want to be. Now, the majority report was full of fear of people, as we've said, but this other minority report was of faith in God, not in people. They didn't say, you know, we're able because here we have the power, we are many. No, they said, if God is with us, we'll be able to do this. Now, the majority saw the giants, how big and how wonderful they were, but the minority report saw the greatness of God. Amen. The greatness of God. They weren't seeing, you know, the greatness of the giants. They saw God above all the giants. The majority report, they had a grasshopper mentality. Come on. Grasshopper mentality. We're just like grasshoppers before them. If you are with God, the Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? And so this minority report was people who had a giant slaying mentality. It's like David. David, everyone else was running away from Goliath. But David said to Saul, send me, I will go. Saul said, you, my little boy, no, 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 no. This man you're seeing is a seasoned warrior. You can't do this. Just, just go back home. And his brothers were angry. They came to David and said, we knew this was why you came here. Why did you leave the, the cattle and the sheep and that put under you? To come out here only to come and show yourself out. David left them and went back and said, King, send me. This man you're saying he'll be brought down. Amen. Look at all the giants in your life and tell them, You giants, you situation that look impossible, you're coming down. Amen. You're doing what? You're coming down. That is the positive spirit of faith that looks at problems and doesn't see. You know, all of the impossibilities but sees opportunities in the midst of it. Now, this majority report was subversive. They were trying to bring the people down, unrealistically pessimistic. They just wanted nothing to do with this forward movement. Even in church, sometimes we can be so bogged down with what we are not able to do that we forget the things that we are able to do. We look at, oh, no money, or no this, or no that. Whereas God is saying, actually, what I want you to do, you may not even need a dime. Are we listening to God? Are we listening to the voices of fear? Encouraging and realistic, optimistic, was this particular minority report. Be that voice that's encouraging. There was a man in the, Old, in the New Testament in the book of Acts called Barnabas. Do you know what Barnabas means? Son of encouragement. That was his life. When people were afraid of Saul because they knew his history, Barnabas was the one who took Saul and went back to Jerusalem and introduced him to the saints and said, this man is a changed man. Trust me. This man is a changed man. They said, this man, don't you know he's the one who was going to Damascus? To hunt our people down. He was there. He killed. You know, he was there when Stephen was killed and all of that. They said, no, we have nothing to do with him. 
Barnabas insisted that he's a changed man. Amen. People who will stand by you, irrespective of what you are facing, they will not write you off because everyone else has written you off. Those are the kinds of friends you need to have. Those who have a can-do spirit, not a can't-do spirit. People who will say to you, you want to do that? You can do it. Go for it. Amen. Except where they see danger, they will also tell you there is danger on the way. Okay? Not people who see danger and they will say, it doesn't matter, just, just go and drive into that cliff. No. But people who will be very, very honest with you. And yet, when they see opportunity, they tell you, go for it. Because some people feel if things are going well for you, somehow as if it takes away from their own blessing. No, it doesn't take away anything from you if some other person is doing well. Because sometimes I've heard people, when someone is giving a testimony, they say, oh yes, oh yes. Because they think, why should it be that person? Come on, when you celebrate somebody, God will cause people to celebrate you too. When we want to think, oh, it has to be only about us, we don't remember. God can use anybody at all. So, Closing it, the majority is not always correct. So it's good for us sometimes to question something, just to be sure. But that's not to say we have to oppose things just because we don't agree with it. You get the point? You have to understand what is the reality here. They knew that God wanted them to make this journey, to continue to possess and take over what the Lord has given them as a blessing. So that is a different story than just acquiescing to what they know was not going to work. With their own human energy and power and wisdom, they were not going to be able to do it. But with God, they knew all things were possible. And finally, your senses, your senses are not always right. Look at these people. They came out saying it was a good man, everything well. But then they allowed their fear to overcome reality before them of what God wanted to do. So, your fear can torpedo the brightest ideas that God has put in your heart. You want to write a poem, say, oh no, I can't write this. You know, poems have been written by people who didn't set out to write poems. They were just writing words and words began to gather together and then they were able to do something. You can write a poem. I want to challenge us as an assignment for this week. Amen. During this week ahead, I want you to write a poem. A poem of six lines. Just six lines, okay? Choose a topic of your own. Choose a topic. We are going to print the poems we will gather. And I want to challenge you because you're going to do it. You know, or maybe you don't know you can do it, but I'm telling you right now, you will write one of the best poems ever this one week. Amen. Just six lines. Six lines. Give me the topic. Think of a topic and ask God, God, help me to write this poem now. And the words will begin to come and you put it together. Whether it rhymes or doesn't rhyme is not the issue here. Amen? Six lines of words. Not too long sentences. Short ones. Just get something together and then we will see how we can break a mold. Something that you think it's impossible. You've never done before, and you will get it happen.
So, watch out for negative people in life who will be spreading the bad report to tell you it's not possible in life. No, believe with God all things are possible. And so, what do you see where you are as we come to the end of the year? Are you racked with fear? Are you at the point where you're asking yourself, what next? Are you at a point where there's a decision you want to make and you, you're telling yourself, no, I can't make this decision? No, you can with the help of God. Whatever it is you're facing at this time, what do you see? I want you to see God, God's fidelity. I want you to see, you know, God's faithfulness. I want you to focus on Him alone who can give you the power to bring down those giants. And as a church, what do we see? The impossible or the possible? Let's focus on him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ever ask or imagine. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning for your word. Help us not to switch our focus from what Lord Almighty we want to see or what the enemy is showing us. The fear factor that has been Lord Almighty raised and Lord Almighty exalted above you who stands before us to say, I am with you. Help us not to realize that you are always with us on the journey of life. That what appeared impossible could be possible. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. And may your name be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.